We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I hope all of you are uh, safe, sheltering in place with these strange times that we're in. But also don't forget that March is Women's History Month or Women's Her Story Month. About um, a month ago, Marietta Miles contacted me and said she was doing an article for Do Some Damage about women who influenced her and her life, along with other of her writing friends. I've had a lot of brilliant women in my life who left behind a little bit of amazing pieces of me that I hope I carry today with me in their honor. But back to Marietta. Instead of writing something, I asked her to get some friends together and come on Authors on the Air and to showcase who inspired them. So it is my great pleasure that this bodacious lineup of brave and brilliant women are here today, and I turn over the show now to my guest host, Marietta Miles. Marietta, the microphone is yours. Thank you, Pam. Thank you so much for having us. I'm really happy to be here, and um, I'm really excited that everybody's joining us. Um, We have got some brilliant women who are about to speak, and... uh, We're coming to you from New York City, from L.A., and from all places in between. We've gotten ourselves together so that we could celebrate Women's History Month uh, in the best way that we know how. And tonight is really an invitation to join us again this coming Monday. This coming Monday over at Do Some Damage, we are going to have essays that all of these women have written about the remarkable women in their lives and who has inspired them and who they hope to inspire. I've had the chance to read all of these essays, and they run the gamut from being funny, fierce, and emotional, but they're all really interesting and very valid, and I suggest you come and join us. Tonight, we are joined by Allison Abel, Sarah Chen, Jen Conley, Dharma Kelleher, Mia Manansala, Renee Pickup, Cindy Rossmus, Sandra Rutan, Sean Riley Simmons, and Holly West. So we have a, a big lineup, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with everybody. And our first And I want to just interrupt. Holly. I just want to interrupt for one oh, second. We have a new caller, area code 310. Who's this? Area code oh, I guess it's me. Sorry, this is, this is Sarah Chen. Hi, Hi Sarah! Sarah! Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to click on oh, I guess my... that's me. I'm going to click off Mind My Business and go ahead, Marietta, with your first guest. Thank you. Thank you so much. Holly West is our first guest. Holly is the Anthony Award-nominated writer of the Mistress of Fortune Historical Mystery Series. She was nominated for the Left Coast Crime Rosebud Award for Best First Novel. Her short fiction has appeared online and in numerous anthologies, and her latest story, The Best Laid Plans, appears in... I love this title of this magazine, Florida Happens. It is the 2018 Bouchercon Anthology. 
She's the editor of Murder of Go-Go's, a crime fiction anthology inspired by the music of the Go-Go's, uh, the proceeds from which go to Planned Parenthood, so please go pick that up. Her novella, The Money Block, new from down and out, is now out and available where store- books are sold. Holly is also a tireless advocate for fellow writers, a member of the Mystery Writers of America, a member of Sisters in Crime, International Thriller Writers. She is also a part of the BoucherCon 2020 Sacramento Committee. So please visit hollywest.com for more information on her. She's extremely busy. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Holly. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me to join you guys. Oh, I'm glad you're here. I'm all I'm all silly and goofy because I have all my favorite people on the line. So, oh, that's <laughs> um, terrific. I'm, Thank you so much. Oh, I'm really glad you're here. So, um, I want to get right back to who you picked as your most influential woman because this sounds like a movie should be made out of her. Her name is Doris Bartlett. Can you tell us a little bit about Doris? Um, yeah, Doris was my neighbor in the early 2000s, and I was in my early 30s, and she was in her late 80s. We known each other about a year before she finally trusted me enough to confide that she'd been a 30s radical, which at the time I had never heard of. Um, she grew up during the Depression, and the extreme poverty and anti-Semitism she experienced in her youth led her to join the Young Communist League when she was 16. And mm. the movement inspired her to become a lifelong social justice activist. Um, uh, but some of those efforts were considered subner- sub- uh, excuse me, subversive. Um, and this, of course, is the abbreviated version of her story. It's, it's long and it's very interesting, um, so it, but it lacks context because it's so short. But anyway, in September 1949, she was subpoenaed to testify before the House Un-American Activities Committee, where she mm-hmm. took the fifth and refused to name names. Um, Fortunately, she was dismissed as an unfriendly witness, but she was never recalled. But Mm -hmm. many years later, uh, when she requested her records through the Freedom of Information Act, she actually learned that the FBI had tracked her activities from approximately 1943 to 1965. Um, She never, ever got over that. By the time I met her um, she was a retired grandmother living in a condo in Santa Monica Um, but she always had that fear about her like I said at the beginning she 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 had to trust you before she told you anything about her background that's a massive um, betrayal you know it really is a huge betrayal when all you were doing is what you thought was right and then you are actually being followed by your country so now I was actually, I was very interested. She's an amazing woman, and I wanted to know if she had ever inspired any of your characters or storylines. Um, actually, she inspires me so much every day, but not so much with the writing. And the reason is that I kind of feel like this was her story, and she was mm-hmm. so guarded about it and so careful about how she yeah. went and who she let in on these things that I've always been hesitant to write about it. Um, but I, I think eventually she'll inspire a character at some point. But so far, oh, I, I haven't done that. Now, in your piece, you, you talked about the fact that you guys talked about books a lot. And I was very curious as to what, you might have, what books you might have talked about. Uh, well, I remember specifically we talked about The Life of Pi. 
um, the Kite Runner, the Da Vinci oh. Code, which I think is funny because she was so <laughs> frustrated about how bad it was because <laughs> it was such a popular book at the time. But you know, it was like full of info dump, and you know, it was it, it was a very it was a page turner. But you know, she was very frustrated by but it. But you were angry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it made her angry. Um, beyond that, she loved mysteries, and it was around the time that I started thinking that I was going to be writing a mystery. So we, mm-hmm. we definitely discussed Sue Grafton and lots and lots of different mysteries. Oh, now of the women that are out there right now working as feminists and and taking up the flag, uh, do you know who she? Would you would you be comfortable telling us who you think she would really like? Um, this is another area I hesitate in because she was not the type that would, like, she was unpredictable. I think she yeah. have a great amount of support and admiration for Elizabeth Warren, and I know she'd mm-hmm. like Michelle Obama. Um, yeah. I regret that she's not around to talk about, like, Bernie Sanders because she had the, her history of, of communism. I think she'd have a really yeah. interesting perspective. I don't mean to add him as a feminist, Um I, only that I would. I wish so much that she was around to talk about politics with, because she had opinions. Yes, and she should have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, tell me, um, if you will, what female writers do you think that our audience should be looking into and reading? Well, I have here um, a short list, but it's a great list. Um, Nikki Dolson. Her debut, All Things oh, yeah. Violent, I loved it. I read it last year. She's got a book of short stories called Love and Other Criminal Behavior that's coming I out love this that year. Book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet. Oh, have you read um, Love and Other Criminal Behavior? No, I read a couple of the uh, short stories that she's had out, and I just, she's, right. um, I just love how brutal her stories can be, too. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. Um, Rachel Housel Hall's Detective Eloise Norton series is great. She's also got a couple of standalones. Hillary Davidson's mm-hmm. new series, The Shadow of the New York series. I've actually read both of those and um, really, really like them. Uh, Steph Chai's Your Health Will Pay is one that is not to be missed. And I'm reading Lori Rader Day's The Lucky One right now and enjoying it tremendously. Oh, I have a feeling we'll be hearing a lot about her. She'll be on a lot of people's list tonight. <laughs> So, well, thank 100%. you so much for being here, Miss Holly. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, next up is Sean, Sean Riley Simmons. Sean is hey. the author of the <laughs> Hi, hon. How are you? <laughs> good, good. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you, too. we got to do some readings when we're allowed to congregate again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sean is the author of the Red Carpet Catering Mysteries featuring Penelope Sutherland. It's an on-set movie catering mystery, and several short stories of hers appear in various anthologies, including Burnt Orange and Passport to Murder, the 2017 Bowser Khan anthology, and The Prodigy in Mystery Tour, the Crime Writers Association anthology. Sean is an Indiana native who grew up in Florida, Florida comes up again, and began her professional career in New York City. She's worked as a bookstore manager, a fiction editor, convention organizer, wine rep, (laughs) and a movie set caterer. (laughs) She serves on the board of Malice Domestic and is the editor for Level Best Books. She's a member of Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, International Thriller Writers, and the Crime Writers Association in the U.K., 
Uh, cooking behind the scenes has always been something that has been a part of her job, and when she started to write, she was able to combine the food and the movies and then a story. So I must say that this is the first essay that made me hungry, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, be on the lookout for souffles and cocoa. So everybody say hello to Sean. <laughs> Hi, now, Sean. Hi. Hi. Sean, Sean I have met Julia Child. And, yeah, yeah. So now, Sean, tell us about your choice, Julia Child. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you sent me this message, and I, she, you said, can you think of a woman who's inspired you from, I guess, I took it from my whole life. And, uh, yes. and I thought about it for a second, and I texted you back. I said, does it have to be, is it, uh, are you asking me about a writer? You said, no, any woman. And then, you know, you, of course, you go to the whole, through the list of, like, your family and people that you're mm-hmm. friends and people that have, you know. And then I was thinking, well, I'm just going to I'm gonna pick Julia Child because she's the first woman that I remember just really admiring from when I was really little, like six years old. So oh, I, I know. Her because I love this story. <laughs> yeah, she was always on in the kitchen. And, um, you know, she just had this kind of very distinct voice. And, uh, you know, oh, she was yeah. just sort of fun to listen to. And she just was always, like, enjoying herself in the kitchen. And she would, like, drop stuff and, you know, just laugh. And <laughs> we, my sister, I thought that was hilarious. So we just watched her all the time. So that was who I showed. Well, it sounds I also like thought it was- your mom was a big fan of Julia Child as well. Was she a chef? Because you say in your essay that you and your sister were making these very complicated dishes when you were younger. And I'm, I'm wondering, was your mom um, just a spectacular cook or a chef? No, and I laughed really hard when I read that question because my mom <laughs> does not know how to make anything. She was the worst. So it was uh, like we just had survival food before. We were like eight and five, and we were, you know, trying to make up these dishes and stuff. But she was a single mom, and we were the two, you know, we were two girls at home, and she worked really Aww. hard, and she wasn't always home. We, we were latchkey kids back when that was still legal to do. Like you just leave your kids for hours at a time, you know. Exactly. So we, yeah, so we, just, we were those kids. Throw them in the back and of the station wagon. <laughs> yeah, with no seatbelts, no seats in the car, you know. We survived. Exactly. So she, yeah, we all made it, surprisingly <laughs> enough. But uh, she was always working, so we just got in, we decided we were going to start making dinner because she would come home and she'd be so tired and all that stuff. So at the first first time it was just like making fish sticks and I like the toaster oven you know for a while and then we started to get a little bit more adventurous and then you know we're from originally from Indiana and my grandparents were like oh you need to eat again today I can't believe like they were just not into food like at all it was just like they thought that was gross you gotta like, eat this, again. You know. okay yeah it seems like you're enjoying yourself too much like that's weird that you are you know so you're so enjoying that food so then my mom got married again for a brief time to uh a guy who was Italian and his mother was from Italy and she was like mm. that grandmother that was like, Oh, you have to go here to get the bread and you go to this store to get the pork and you go to this store. She was oh. from New York. Like she knew, yep. she knew how to do all the food and like, these are the tomatoes. You don't buy tomatoes in winter. You know, we didn't know any of that stuff. We're like, you just open a can. So she oh like showed God. us all that stuff. So that's how it came about. That's how we got interested in it when we were like nine and six. So and, well, and so you work, aren't you guys all hungry now? I told you. Um, <laughs> all I'm thinking about is olive oil and bread. You were a lot of your, well, almost all of your writing, catering and the catering industry is sort of the backdrop. It, did that make it easier for you to do some of this, these stories? Yeah. Well, when I um, 
sat down to write. I had my son, and he, when he mm-hmm. was a baby, I decided to stay home with him. And um, so that, I said, well, this, now is the time for me to write that great novel mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this whole time. And I've always <laughs> been really super into food, and I thought, well, I've read a lot of culinary mysteries. I'm involved with Malice Domestic, and um, a, most, yeah. a lot of them come through our convention. And, you know, I've really idolized these women for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, this is such a cool I mean, how cool would it be just to think about food all day and then write about it? I mean, how neat is that, you know? But I had well, well, I know, do. like, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, like, you know, the bakery ones and then, you know, whatever the different variations are. And I said, well, I've never seen a movie set one. And I said, well, I've done that. And, you know, I've seen catering ones. Like, I love um, Catherine mm-hmm. Hall-Page. Um, she's a good friend of mine, and I, she just, I just idolize her. And I thought, well, that's, you know, she's a caterer, but I thought, let me, this will be my little twist that I think is unique. And that's why I chose it because I could also just kind of reflect back on things I'd seen on movie sets, you know, so that was, it was mm-hmm. kind of a, it was kind of like a no brainer basically at that point. So Cause that's that how be it very is. dramatic backdrops. I, w- I would think there's a lot of like emotional drama going on. Yeah. People, people get weird about their food. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you people are just weird in this. some of your, um, writer friends and I was going to ask you if you could give us the names of some of the female authors that you think we should check out. Yes. Um, I have Lori Rader Day on my list. When you said that I started, that that cracked me (laughs) up because I just got her new book too. Well, I chose my list. I have so many, so many that I I mean, I could spend the rest of the hour talking about everyone that I love, but there are four people that I chose that I just, it's like when the, when their books come out, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, everything's right in the world. Like, I've got a new book from this person. And oh, those, the four people I chose for that are Louise Penny, who I adore, mm-hmm. and I love her books so much, mm-hmm. and also their mm-hmm. pseudonym. Um, Katrina McPherson is just such a joy. To read her. I mean, I just mm-hmm. love her books. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And Lori, of course, is just also a wonderful mm-hmm. person. And Anne Cleese. Mm-hmm. And those are my four that I'm just sort of like, it should be a holiday today. I should not have to do anything else because I sit and read this book. So that's why I chose them. And that was the only thing great. I made up that I made up that category for myself. So that's how I did that. That so. holiday. Yay. <laughs> I think we yeah. know where we'll find you on those days. Good job. I like those. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you Thank so you. much for being here, Sean. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Oh. Yay. Now, um, I think you've actually met Sandra several times. We are now going over to talk to Miss Sandra Ruchan. Sandra mm-hmm. um, is a very also one of the busiest ladies on this list. Uh, she had her very first newspaper column at the age of 13. She studied journalism and education in college and has gone on to have several crime fiction books published. Clive Kessler described her writing style as spellbinding, and it is. I've read her. I've read her. Her works have been translated and published overseas and in several different countries. She also founded Spinesinger Magazine and was among the first to published many rising stars in the crime genre. She's a full-time writer and a freelance editor, and I thank goodness for that because she's helped me out several times. Um, And right now, a special special note, Sandra has made two of her novels, uh, Suspicious Circumstances and Harvest of Ruins, free to download for the next five days via Amazon. So if you would like to do some reading while we are all inside, I highly suggest you go check it out. Thank you for being here, Sandra. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Marietta. Good. Now, I am pretty interested in your choice. Um, at your essay, you highlighted Alicia Elliott, and I'm I'm not sure if everybody knows who she is. I was not a hundred. I was not obviously as well versed in her as I should have been, but now I feel 
like she is someone we definitely need to be aware of. She's very smart, and she's primarily known for her nonfiction, and she's at the forefront of a current Canadian discussion regarding um, uh, just a lot of missing and murdered Indigenous women within Canada. It's, it's, uh, they're actually calling it a genocide. And she is a vital voice for Indigenous people. And Alicia Elliott is she's young and she's fearless. And she's written a, an article for the Washington Post regarding this quote-unquote genocide. She calls it a genocide. Of her, and her collection of essays has been recently published by Penguin. And I highly suggest everybody go out and get it. Um, so let, tell me about Alicia. Tell me about Alicia Elliott. You know, it, it was hard at first trying to narrow down who I wanted to talk to but or talk about um, when I was talking to you today. But when I really thought about somebody who was uh, really changing me and influencing me right now, I kept coming back to Alicia. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a friend named Gets Crazy Boy who uh, always hits me up with great recommendations of people who I should be reading or things I, sh- I, I should be following up on um, in terms of movies and whatnot, particularly related to Indigenous issues. And he told me to read Alicia Elliott. And so I did. And I started following her on Twitter. And um, I was blown away by her passion and her integrity, but also mm-hmm. by her complete honesty. Um, I felt like for myself that for much of my life, I felt like I always had to keep other people's secrets. Um, I have an immediate mm-hmm. family member who is closeted trans, transgender. Uh, my mother wasn't bi- diagnosed bipolar until I was 17. And, and you, you didn't talk about those things. Um, there were still a lot of things that were just very hush-hush. There was um, incestual rape within our immediate family and different things mm-hmm. that were um, very serious issues. Um, but, mm-hmm. but nobody really wanted to talk about those things. And right. here I read Alicia, and so I picked up Alicia's book and read A Mind Spread Out on the Ground. And she was talking painfully and, and honestly in a way that having been there, I could just fully relate to about having a bipolar mother who wasn't being treated and, mm-hmm. um, and about the way that in, that impacted her upbringing and her perspective and her relationships and just how that all tied together to make her the person that she is. But then there were all, all of these other issues that she talked about as well. Um, poverty, mm-hmm. systemic poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a parent who's American and a parent who's Canadian. Her family mm-hmm. actually went to the States so that she wouldn't be, that the children wouldn't be taken away to residential schools because that was still happening in Canada. Um, so oh. they, they were able to prevent the separation, you know, um, of, of them from their immediate family at the time. But then when you consider some of the things going on with her mother, you know, it was sort of, there, you know, there, was, there were always issues um, that she was facing and challenges that she had to rise to mm-hmm. overcome. And people had these yeah. inherent biases, particularly with her being um, indigenous. And she even talks about lying and saying that her dad was, was, you know, was Asian in, instead of indigenous when she was young. Um, it's, it's an amazing series of essays that cut into everything from her being sexually assaulted to facing discrimination to, dealing with mental illness within the family, and I highly recommend it for, for people to read. Mm-hmm. And, and for she, me, yeah, I, for me, one of the things that happened after I read it was I realized that, um, you know, that I had pulled some of my punches in my own writing, 
and that I had shied away from going at some of my own personal issues. So I sat mm-hmm. down and I wrote this. I, I wrote the story inspired by growing up with an undiagnosed bipolar mom. And for you know, it was one of those things where I sat down and I wrote it, and I wrote it in 30 days. And um, because it was it was very real to me, and it had sort of been bottled in there all this time, but I hadn't had the courage to really speak about these issues openly and transparently and I felt mm-hmm. that she inspired me to do that. So that's that's worth quite a lot. I mean it it's it's an amazing thing. And actually you mentioned writers needing to write more honestly and with more social responsibility. Do you feel challenge and change is the obligation of writers and or is it just for people who have a calling? to be involved, or do you think that everybody has uh, a responsibility? I'm not going to say that everybody has a responsibility. I think that uh, particularly in these times, if you'd Mm -hmm. asked me that question a year ago or two years ago, I might have said something different, but I've been particularly aware since the 2016 election that I have really needed comedy in my life. I have really needed things that have made me laugh. Um, and mm-hmm. just pure entertainment at times um, <laughs> for some relief from the stress of everything yes. that we're going on. And and I feel even right now people are in that same boat. Um, but for myself, when I read things, a lot of times the things that stay with me the most are things that really speak to me on a deep and personal level or that change the way that I feel that I understand an issue or that um, forced me out of my comfort zone or forced me to think about serious issues or motivate me to do something about serious issues. Those mm-hmm. are the things, I mean, that's part of the reason why I keep going back to Alicia's book. I, I yes. you know, I just keep going back to different things. She's talked about so many vital issues that women of all um, nationalities can women of all nationalities can understand being treated differently for being a woman. They can understand sexual assault. Mm-hmm. These are things that you're going to find within her pages. Things that you're going to directly personally relate to because she's that real and honest about those things. So and that's something to look up to. I know definitely. Yeah, and I mean it's inspiring, but I you know I don't think that I would put it on everybody. I appreciate mm-hmm. great, meaningful, insightful stories, but I also do right now really appreciate the need to laugh. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. I get to. <laughs> now, I know that there are also quite a few really good uh, authors out there that are indigenous, and I was hoping that you could give us a few names or a reading list of sorts. I I can definitely give you um, a reading list. Um, I would recommend uh, Wabgeshig Rice. Uh, His Mm -hmm. book, Moon of the Crested Snow, is a post-apocalyptic novel when all of a sudden the power goes out and nobody really knows what's going on. What's happening on a reservation (laughs) in North? In northern Canada, wow. and it's and it's quite the story, and it's just it's one of those stories where the tension just kind of keeps winding up, building, up, you know. Um, and, and yeah, it's one of those stories. Uh, Sherry Dimeline also has a book called The Marrow Thieves, which is mm-hmm. um, also a post-apocalyptic, uh, basically. Um, Interesting. A, a, <laughs> I guess you could say a pandemic situation happens mm-hmm. where people lose their ability to dream, but the only people who have the oh. ability to dream still are indigenous people. 
so indigenous people are being hunted and harvested for to make medicine for non-indigenous people. And it wow. is the flight and fight for survival. It's an incredible story. Uh, Gets Crazy Boys, Secret of the Stars is a story that I won't, I won't delve into too much. I'll just say that I found it personally inspiring. If you're into horror, then you want to turn to Stephen Grant Jones. Um, he's a yes. prolific horror writer. Al going back, um, I recently read Tribal Scream's fantastic collection. Of course, he's a Stoker-nominated um, author. And um, other indigenous authors, Gwen Benaway, Ariel Twist, Tanya Tagak, uh, Tommy Orange, Tanya Talega, Eden Robinson, Darcy Little Badger, Rebecca Roanhorse. We can go on and on. <laughs> yes. There are, there are good a things lot. about Ariel Twist and Tommy Orange, yes. Yes, as, um, there's, there's actually a real depth of, um, of tremendous indigenous writers right now to, to be reading. Wow. Yeah. So, and very, I'm so glad you uh, were here and brought that to, up to everybody because there is such a, a large uh, catalog for people to choose from to go to, you know, and I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm glad that was your choice. I was really excited. Well, I was very glad to have the opportunity to talk about her. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here. Hope you have a good evening. And you're going to stick around and listen to uh, everybody. And next up is This is Pam. Pam. I'm going to jump in just for a minute and remind everyone that this is women writing their own histories or their own histories uh, with Marietta Miles. I hope that you're tuning in. It is an amazing show. I am in awe of the guests that Marietta has invited today. Um, I also want to say that one of my inspirations and my, my sheroes are the women who have joined us today, who've been so oh, honest yes. and so open about their lives. And I know all of you, and I admire all of you. So thank you for being here And the microphone is yours, Marietta. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Miss Pam. Um, Our next guest is Cindy Rossmith. Miss Cindy uh, is a Jersey girl who looks like a mob wife and talks like anybody (laughs) from West Side Story. And her noir, horror, and bizarro stories have been published in some of the coolest places, such as Shotgun Honey. Uh, Let's give a shout-out to Mr. Ron Earl. Uh, Magazine, yep. Dark Dossier, Horror Sleaze, Trash, and Rock in a Hard Place. She is the editor and art director of web, the webzine Yellow Mama, which most people consider one of, one of the, the best zines you can go to for crime fiction. I know that I love going there. I love reading everything about it. Um, it's brutal, it's tough, and it's very grown up, so please visit. Now let's all say hi to Miss Cindy. <laughs> hi, hi, Cindy. Guys. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> Hi. Now I love your choice for uh, your your inspirational woman. You chose Carson McCullers, uh, and of course, I mean, who? How can you not be inspired by this person? I mean, so young to ha- at that time and wrote The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter. And t- tell me why you chose Carson. There's just so many awesome things about her because. For one thing, she was very gender fluid. She knew from an early age that she was really a man, which I think is so yep. cool because in so many ways she wrote like a man. But she yep. could also love men and women exchangeably. 
and she wrote about unrequited love and she wrote about alcoholism and she wrote about suicide attempts. And, you know, I try to do that too. I mean, I've written a lot of similar yeah. stuff, but it was like, oh my God. And there's like stories of hers, like the one, it was called Poldy, P-O-L-D-I. Oh, yeah. She wrote it in like the late thirties mm-hmm. and you can't find it anywhere online. I mean, you have to buy her collection, but it was like yeah. unrequited love for this poor dumb cellist guy who was so in love with this ugly pimple female cellist and he was obsessed with her and she just wouldn't give him a tumble you know and stories like that and then just the ballad of the sad cafe that was a love triangle between this very very tough probably lesbian woman and this ex-con she married just to use him and her dwarf cousin Lyman who she was obsessed (laughs) with who left her for the ex-con I mean, these are the kind of stories and novels she wrote. And, and Hard as a Lonely Hunter was, you know, two of the characters in it were these two guys, gay, who one mm-hmm. was this very cultured, they were both deaf mutes. One is very mm-hmm. cultured, the other one was this greasy Greek guy. And they had nothing in common except they were both deaf. And they hooked yeah. up and, and it was just such a, you know, and it had, they were together, but there was still unrequited love between them. And it was She like, was very such an ahead of her time. She was very mm-hmm. ahead of her time with that, and I think she was so brave about mm-hmm. how honestly she portrayed everything. Um, and I'm I'm really glad you chose her because hopefully we're going to get a whole new wave of people interested in Carson because everything Definitely. that she's written about is important right now because I think perhaps maybe now the the society might be ready for those kind of thoughts. So um, on that note, though, on new female pub, uh, writers, I wanted to ask you, you, as I said before, you're in charge of Yellow Mama magazine. You're an editor, and mm-hmm. you work very hard there, and you have published a lot of up-and-coming female writers. I'm not saying I'm up-and-coming, but I did get a story published there, and that was literally made my year. Um, why don't you tell everybody about Yellow Mama? Tell us everything that you like don't like when people send it to you? Where should they uh, write in if they want to send something to you? Um, I, I did include the link in my, in my mm-hmm. when I answered my questions, but, you know, anybody can, mm-hmm. you know, look up there. We're on Facebook under Yellow Mama Webzine. You can mm-hmm. find us under Yellow Mama Webzine on, actually, if you just Google us. And we, we want crime fiction, noir, psychological horror, supernatural horror, cutting edge, mm-hmm. You know, don't send erotica. I hate it. Don't send <laughs> fantasy. I hate that. You can send sci-fi, you know. But, you know, it's like, you know, I always say, write from your heart and your ass. And you'll yeah, get there, yeah. you know. Exactly. Now, also, um, what one of the things I want you to tell everybody, what is, who is Yellow Mama? Yellow Mama, Big Yellow Mama, actually. Yeah, Big Yellow Mama. Alabama's electric chair which they retired after executing Linda Lyon. I forget how many years ago. I think it was like 30 years ago. But it mm-hmm. was painted with, this electric chair was painted with this ugly yellow paint that they paint curves with because they had extra paint and they figured, let's just paint it. And nice. that's what we named it after. And I've had a lot of people, you know, real like politically correct, you know, who don't belong there saying, yep. oh, I'm horrified that you're named after this electric chair. I want to withdraw my story. I'm like, okay. You know, All plenty of other well, people see, waiting in line, you know, and, you know, we like but I think it's the perfect writers. name. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the it's, perfect name. You know exactly what yeah. you're getting when you go to Yellow Mama. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and, I, and, you know, and I suggest you do it. 
And there's something for everybody. I mean, all different types of writing and fiction and poetry. And we'd love to have you guys send us stuff, mm-hmm. men and women. But it's but it's grown up, so don't be offended, please. Um, Not at all. <laughs> and speaking, Not porn. I, I want to talk about your favorite writers because I'm looking at this list, and I absolutely you've got the three my three big ones on uh, the first one. So, give me a list of your favorite female writers. Okay, besides Carson McCullers, I love Flannery mm-hmm. O'Connor and Joyce Carol mm-hmm. Oates. Flannery O'Connor, yes. Flannery O'Connor I love <laughs> because she writes regional. She, I mean, she wrote regional. Mm-hmm. She's been dead like 50-something years. And she wrote about people she knew in her neighborhood in the Deep South, the rural Deep South. She wrote about religious hypocrisy. She wrote about mm-hmm. racism. She wrote about a whole lot of stuff. And I pretty much like to write about my own, like, Jersey-type urban mm-hmm. area, alcoholism, drug addiction, yep. wife beating, all that. And then mm-hmm. I also love Joyce Carol Oates because, she, first of all, she's a fellow Gemini. And Hello. second of all, <laughs> she is – you too? Cool. Well, no, she's no, very, not me. I'm married to a okay. Gemini. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, that's a, that's a total package. So. <laughs> that's okay. No, but Oates is so versatile that I want to just mm-hmm. point out three stories she wrote that are so completely different. She wrote – Three Girls, which is about two college girls that were kind of sweethearts in the 50s mm-hmm. in the Strand Bookstore. And who do they see there but Marilyn Monroe in disguise, like incognito, buying a whole shitload of books. <laughs> and they felt like they had to defend her, you know, from the, you know, people that might recognize her. Yep. And then it's a during a snowstorm yet, too. And the two college girls share their first kiss at the end. Another one real fast is the, uh, it was called Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been? With this adventurous, oh like, teenage, yes, this adventurous That's teenage the, girl. Is, oh, my God. It's reading. just like, I still got chills of talking about it. I know. He's waiting oh, on God. a porch, and this guy shows up, him and his friend, and he's oh. in disguise. He's got in this black wig, and he's got these I think I want to throw up. Stuffed <laughs> with newspapers to make himself taller. He's a serial killer. <laughs> and you know he's going to kidnap her by the end, and she has to go yep. with him. And then and the last one, <laughs> yes. And the last one is um, the accursed inhabitants of the House of Bly, which was a prequel she wrote to Henry James's uh-huh. Turn of the Screw. Now I got chills oh. talking about all three of those, and they're all by the same writer. I mean, I know, how amazing. can you not be impressed? You know, and just the fact uh-huh. that she said daydreaming about writing, even without writing yet, yes. is work. And if somebody calls you and says, "Am I disturbing you?" She should. You should say yes. Not everybody oh, would understand so it like us. And I don't know about you guys. I agree. I think you women writers out there understand exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Marietta, I want to, may yes, I ma'am. ask a question of Cindy? Cindy, sure. I love what you just said this second. You said daydreaming. Uh, you mm-hmm. talked about daydreaming. Um, Professor David Morrell, who is the co-founder of the International Thriller Writers, as you know, and the creator of Rambo, said that he thought it was a shame that adults don't daydream. He said, you find yourself when you daydream. How do you think about that? Hmm. He's right, because... Daydreaming is what a lot of times you don't feel like you're writing, but you're daydreaming about what you're thinking about something. You're dreaming about something. You're anticipating something maybe that you're going to write. So it's, it's really true. You're writing. Yeah. You, you know, I love the fact that you, the people that you chose 
are typically our marginalized communities. So right now mm-hmm. I want to say that um, two of my sheroes for Women's Her Story Month are Dharma Kelleher and also yes. Agatha Christie. Oh, my. So, yes. And oh, thank you for thank Agatha. You. Thank you for that. Wow. And I'll let you go back, Marietta. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, I'm actually going to say thank you to Miss Cindy. And I'm going to bring in our next guest, and I'm going to have her introduce herself if she doesn't mind, because really, who's going to do a better job of introducing Renee Pickup than <laughs> Renee? Please. <laughs> so, Miss Renee's coming to us from the desert. I'm, I'm assuming you're still out there with all the crazy people driving around and trying to get away from everything. They are home. Um, they crack okay. down on Airbnbs and hotels, so we... Um, <laughs> Getting a little bit of relief. My my wild birds are coming for their peanuts, and my bunnies are out again and stuff, so that's good. Um, Life is good. Uh, <laughs> yes. I love it out here in the desert. Like I said uh, a couple days ago on a Facebook video, I will go back to telling everyone how lovely it is here and begging you to come visit very soon, but not today. <laughs> yes. Not right now. Um, yeah. Just just wait until you don't want to overwhelm our one hospital. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. We are so clever so, when we do things, we humans. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm Renee Pickup. I'm living out in the desert. Um Marine Corps vet, um, crime fiction mystery writer, mm-hmm. essayist, um, editor, um mega, editor, mega definitely. Mhm. <laughs> um, yeah, what's with, with, um, with, um, zines are you still working for? Because you have been in charge and editing for quite a few of these really awesome. Um, so I recently that... gave up my um, my throne at the Gauntlet at Shotgun Honey to Nikki Dolson, who um, unfortunately didn't get to join us tonight because she's I one know. of my favorites. And um, she's busy eating ice cream. I hear. That's wonderful. I'm glad she's doing that then. I'm glad she's eating ice cream. Um, so I'm actually, I am a, a girl without a zine um, at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But, oh my. you know, I can't read without editing, so I'm not going to stop calling myself an editor until it's been a while since I've had good, a good. because you actually helped me. You you worked my very first book, uh, Route 12. I remember that, and I remember learning so right. much from you. I loved it, yeah, and it was I, one of the best experiences of of my writing career. So, yay! Everybody so go, Renee. To that. <laughs> yeah, now, thank you. I, I loved working my, on that with you. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I'm very interested to see who you picked for your um, your inspirational woman. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, you hear like who's the most inspirational or influential, and it is I, I spun the hell out. Because to me, um, <laughs> women, amazing women, strong women, like that's my religion. Um, yep. And it was like my grandma, my mom, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, uh, you know. So what I tried to do is kind of reset and think about like who's a woman that I wish more people knew about that I yeah. find really inspiring and amazing. And so um, I chose a performer named Sir Lady Java who um, was the very first trans woman uh, or trans person, Mm -hmm. I think, to be represented by the ACLU. They still cite her in their literature. She 
was born in the 1940s and transitioned before her teens, which, I mean, we know this is like a major uh, controversy now. So imagine, right? Can you, Um, I can't even imagine. They couldn't even deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was brave. And she, uh, she um, was also uh, a black woman. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in the 40s and 50s for her and she um in her in her teens she started um performing in new orleans night nightclubs i know i just said that wrong and allison's gonna have a heart attack because i said new orleans that's okay Sorry, wine allison. is okay it's okay <laughs> no no it's all good um and she was really successful so she she moved her act to la and she i mean one of the most amazing things about her, what struck me about her was I was looking for pictures of amazing historical women to do digital art with um, several mm-hmm. years ago when I was making jewelry. And she, she's, I mean, I, I want everything in her wardrobe and probably couldn't pull off half of it. <laughs> uh, we're talking like feathers head to toe, uh, oh. sequin bikini with fringe. We're talking colors and, I mean, everything. It's just wild. And she is actually... I did confirm she's still alive, and she Yay! still her. I, I'd wear her her old lady wardrobe, colors, sequins, <laughs> big old butterfly glasses with fringes. I mean, she is so loud, like she lives so loud. And um, you know, pretty soon she's friends with Sammy Davis Jr. She's friends with Red Fox. She's got a recurring gig at Red Fox's nightclub, and Ooh. a little known law that was meant to, and this is in big old square quotes, protect club owners. Um, said so that it was illegal to perform uh, impersonating a person of the opposite gender, which, of course, the understanding of what? what trans was and all of that at the time was that, unfortunately. Um, mm. So she she fought it. She went after it. She challenged it with the ACLU. Um, she picketed the club after getting uh, – shut down by the police. She, um, like I said, was represented by the ACLU. The case Mm -hmm. was dismissed. It was later um, overturned in an unrelated case, but she continued to perform and she was, you know, just this amazing underground hero that you don't really hear a lot. And actually it's, it's weird because if you Google Sir Lady Java and she is so, Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, you know her when you see her, if you know what she looks like, but you'll see pictures of Marsha P. Johnson and other black trans activists because her history is just getting kind of absorbed. Um, oh, yeah. And are I there just books, wish more people are, knew is, about her. Does she have a biography? Is there anything out there that you know where people could look up and learn more about her? So I, I got a lot of my information off the internet. I did find out mm-hmm. um, when I was trying to just make sure I, like, I, I knew where she was at now that there is a um, book called Trap Door, Transcultural Production and the Politics of Visibility, edited by mm. Rena Gossett. And there is oh. the lead essay um, by Treva Ellison. It's called The Labor of Working It, The Performance and Protest <laughs> Strategies of Sir Lady Java. And that is work with a Q. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, just, I wish more <laughs> people knew who she was. I did have an opportunity to interact with her niece very briefly um, on Twitter. Oh. So that was cool. And, you know, yeah. I, I just, I love her cause she's an outsider, right. In, in every mm-hmm. way you could imagine for the time she was living in and she went to bat for 
what she knew was hers and what she wanted to protect for the people doing the same thing she was mm-hmm. doing. And she was on the front and line. And she looked fucking amazing doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that, you know what? Why not? Why not be happy with all that? <laughs> now, while right, I have right. you, I'd like you, if you don't mind, tell me um, who some lady or uh, women writers you would, they don't have to be ladies. They can be ball bashers if you want to. Um, <laughs> tell me some My right female writers um, you'd like to tell <laughs> Yeah, so I have a kind of a mixed list. Um, mm-hmm. One is um, someone I'm really proud to call a friend, uh, Emma Alice Johnson, who you can actually buy her zines on Etsy at the shop name Emma Alice Johnson. And she has two, um, one called Trans Mess and one called Born Right. Um, And (laughs) Born Right deals with both her surgeries as a trans woman and other cosmetic surgeries that she's done um, to deal with other things that she wanted to beautify and, and, you know, People have a lot of judgment about that um, and yeah. a lot of opinions about yeah. it. And she's been a very outspoken person about, like, who, who cares? I'm going to do it because it's for me, you know? Exactly. Um, and then I have uh, Violet LeBlanc, who is technically a bizarre writer, but her two novels, Scarstruck and I Miss the World, are very noir and Hollywood. They take place in old Hollywood. Scarstruck blew my mind. Um, I've written about it. Uh, do some damage I've told like everybody who's met me since I read it about it it is so amazing it is about um, I mean it's it's queer love and BDSM Mm -hmm. and attempts at polyamory and communism and moving to (laughs) Cuba and I mean it's everything Um, and it's you know it's not for the faint of heart but I think if if you can go in with an open mind, you will be astounded at how moving the different representations of different kinds of love and, and just the world she's built and the characters she's built are so amazing. Um, oh, Nikki, of wait. course, we mentioned Nikki Dolson. Um, yes. <laughs> Ashley Irwin, who um, is a short story writer. If you can find her stuff online, read it. If you ever get a chance to see her read live show up, she is an amazing <laughs> performer as well as an amazing writer. I, my rule, if I read with her is I will not follow her. I will not oh, do it. Oh, very smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and one last recommendation I want to shout out for like anybody who is trying to follow the news and or pop culture, but wants a feminist spin on it, wants to make it interesting if, you know, you're trying to figure out what everybody's talking about, but you don't really care about celebrities. Uh, My good friend, Ray Alexandra, writes amazing stuff for KQED Pop, and she is a journalist worth watching. Um, And she's got great opportunities to bring in women's history and bring in feminism and all sorts of different topics through her platform, so she is definitely worth following. Awesome. You know what? When uh, people come to do some damage on Monday, we'll make sure that those sites and the information on the people you're recommending are in there. Marianna, so that they can I, I want to yes, say ma'am. hello to Renee. Renee, you are one of my influencers. Hi. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, <laughs> you, you are, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of an old gal. And I'm I'm new in the tribe, and thank you for allowing me to be there. But you are one of my influencers on on the way I look at 
marginalized communities and writers. So I want to thank you for that. And thanks for being my friend. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for the kind words, because of course, you're absolutely welcome. I'm the newcomer. so. And you know something? Here's the funny thing. I'm going to also do a throwback to one of the women writers who influenced me to read thrillers and mysteries and spence, and that was the late, great Sue Grafton. Marietta, yes. back to you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us, Renee. We're going to move on now to Miss Mia Manansala. Mia Hello. is a writer from Chicago. Hello, darling. How are you? Mia is a writer from Chicago who loves books, baking, and badass women, so I'm really glad she's here tonight. Um, (laughs) She uses humor and murder to explore aspects of the Filipino diaspora, queerness, and her millennial love of pop culture, which, by the way, if I can just let you know, I am totally down to do a trivia um, game with you because... I think I'm the number one person for pop culture, so we'll have to see how we do. All right. <laughs> and now uh, I'm down for it. Um, now, first of all, I said that um, Sean's was the only essay that made me hungry, but the name of your book is making me hungry. Your uh, debut novel, I know, Love, Loss, and Lumpia, comes out in 2020. Um, so uh, 21. When is it? 21. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I'm glad. Uh, I'm so sorry I had that down improperly, but I guess I was getting excited. Um, now, for <laughs> your piece for Do Some Damage, you actually chose a group of women, a group of women. Mm-hmm. You chose warrior princesses, and I'm very mm-hmm. happy you did that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you went all for, you know, you ran the gamut from historical women to um, fictional TV princesses, but the one that I was really excited to read about was you mentioned Wonder Woman, and um, of it course. got me to thinking about you and this new generation of people, and I was curious about how old you were when you got into comics, because um, comics and things like that are not necessarily something that is traditionally open to, that has always been open to young ladies, so... Take it away there. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, when it comes to actually reading comics, I didn't get into them until maybe my 20s um, when mm-hmm. you could get, like, the tra- like the collected trade paperbacks. Uh, because yeah. as a kid, you know, all they had were those sloppies that came out every week, and it was yeah. overwhelming yeah, and, ex- <laughs> and expensive, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to a young broke kid, and indecipherable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I told well, you, yeah. you know, m- most of what I knew about comics, cause, you know, I was born in the late, I was born in the eighties, grew up in the nineties. So I grew up on the, you know, the X-Men cartoons, Spider-Man, <laughs> Batman, the animated series, all of that. So I knew them from the TV shows, but mm-hmm. I was like, I love these characters. I love reading. Why don't I check it out? You know, I pick up my first issue, and like every other page, there's a little box with an asterisk that's like, oh, to understand this <laughs> reference, uh, check out this other comic, like Amazing Spider-Man number blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what? And make sure you buy that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, was, it was like little breadcrumbs. It's like, oh, you, you, like, you couldn't just pick it up and read it. You had to be like, yeah. well, yeah reference this to reference that. And it was a lot. <laughs> More like a giant puzzle and... Nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you mentioned ma- that you started reading manga in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was much, much easier. 
Um, you know, Japanese I'm actually comics. a big fan of manga, so. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, some of the listeners who are not familiar, manga are Japanese comics, and they mm-hmm. are released, um, at least the way we get them here in the U.S., they're released into collected volumes. They're separated mm-hmm. into arcs. So you could, you know, so, I mean, yes, you have yep. to read them sequentially. You can't just pick up, like, number five, you know, and expect mm-hmm. to know the story. Uh, because another thing, it's an arc. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's not exactly. like the Marvel Universe which like resets itself every million, you know, every few Open years. Ended and, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's very, it, and it, and uh, I, I don't know if you were a Bleach fan or anything like that, but you know, that mm-hmm. is one of the longest running animes and mangas and it's got, it's another arc coming out. So yeah, it is, they, but they do it <laughs> so that each arc is a story itself. So, but mm-hmm. I can talk forever about that. Let me just stop. Um <laughs> <laughs> But you were talking about how you finally got into that in high school, and it is so much easier to read because it comes in volumes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, it's, were the, it's what were the really ones that you strange. were reading? Um, I started with Inuyasha, which was written mm-hmm. by a female mangaka, Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, she's kind of a yeah. legend uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to manga. Um, I really like if we're talking mystery, like Case Closed. You know, Detective Conan was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Like Clamp, uh, the whole like magical girl transformations were a lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah, which everybody would know, I guess. Uh, that would be Sailor Moon is the most popular yeah. <laughs> magical girl. So <laughs> uh-huh. now, as far as American comics, what did you like for American comics? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to stick with like the well-known like Marvel DC properties, Gail Simone is hard to beat. Um, her yep. Birds of Prey run was amazing. Uh, her take on the Barbara Gordon Batgirl was great. Um, in the essay I submitted to you, I mentioned that her, mm-hmm. um, as I talk about Wonder Woman there, I quote her twice. Uh, yes, regarding her so run on, yes. on Wonder Woman, and it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, mm-hmm. she wrote the Captain Marvel, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's the movie was super popular. Many people are really familiar with her. And um, mm-hmm. I loved her run of Captain Marvel so much. I have a tattoo of one of the quotes from her run. Oh, that's commitment. That is a commitment. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And I combined it with a symbol from, so she also has a creator-owned comic called Bitch Planet, which is excellent. Oh, Bitch Planet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my, okay. So, I think Renee likes that, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I have the NC symbol, you know, non-compliant, uh, oh, tattooed, oh, yeah. and it's surrounded by the mm-hmm. quote. So, mm-hmm. um, and then also... Uh, other than Wonder Woman, like in my bio, mm-hmm. like on my website, I mentioned that I want to be best friends with Wonder Woman and Kamala Khan, yeah. who is the newest iteration of Ms. Marvel, who is written by G. Willow yes. Wilson. And yes. I love Kamala Khan so much. Oh. She, she reminds, she's just a geeky little brown girl who's trying her <laughs> hardest to do the right thing. And I really, really connect with her on that. So she's quite, she's quite an inspiration. Be like yes, her. yes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention if yeah. you guys get get the chance uh, to see the the pictures that are up at uh, Authors on the Air site. Uh, her um, Mia's picture is is with Wonder Woman. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, <laughs> also in your in your essay, you mentioned Kelly Garrett, and I really want you to tell me about Kelly because the things that I like so much about 
what she does and what you do, and, and we'll be talking to Sarah, Sarah Chen in a bit, um, is the organization Crime Writers of Color. So I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about her and the organization. Oh, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. Your question was about Kelly Garrett and, I'm sorry. And Crime Writers of Color. Ah, yes. So Crime Writers of Color, um, it's a group that was founded by Kelly Garrett, uh, who's my mentor and a good friend, uh, as well Mm -hmm. as Gigi Pandian and Walter Mosley. Yes, that Walter Mosley, back in 2018. (laughs) Um, So for like a long time, there had been talk about needing a place for other crime writers of color to connect, um, a way for us to network, to foster the careers of up-and-comers, a place to get advice, to vent, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, So those three got together. It might have been at a convention, and they talked it out, and they decided that, you know, it was time we had a place to call our own. And it's grown so quickly. And there's about two, almost 200 of us now, I believe, Mm -hmm. on the listserv. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we're becoming more organized. So now we have a quarterly newsletter, the first um, edition, which just came out uh, about a week ago. We've Mm -hmm. organized a speaker's directory. So in case, you know, you you want speakers. So it's like arranged by geographic region, and each person Mm -hmm. lists like what their – identities, their specialties, the things that they can do workshops on, or they're, you know, willing to write or talk about. Oh, that is and, nice. That is very smart. Mm-hmm. And we've even also set up uh, conference liaisons. So in case you wanted to, if you're a uh, convention or conference organizer and you're wondering mm-hmm. how you can make it more inclusive, um, Alex Segura is the head of that, and I'm also on the conference liaison panel as well as Zoe, uh, Zoe Walbrook. Oh, that's a very good idea because that—that's I—I do see that that's been a topic for many people um, after lots mm-hmm. of the different um, uh, conventions recently. So mm-hmm. now, while I've still got you, um, uh, I wanted to know because one of the you and I talked, I chatted so much in my emails to you. I, I'm sure I bored <laughs> you to death. But one of the things that I was really curious to know is. Um, there are so many young women out there right now who are on the forefront of of the battle for equality, and I was really curious as to who you see as a few of the most the ones who are on the on the front lines and who are really going to make a difference. Um, so, in my response to you, like my first two mm-hmm. were the typical like Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, you know, who mm-hmm. I just found out was younger than me, which like uh. wow. <laughs> Which, like, wow, I really need to get my shit together. (laughs) And then, um, you know, of course, Emma Gonzalez, very outspoken, very passionate Mm -hmm. about what she believes in, which, uh, you know, unfortunately makes her a target. Um, And then the third person on the list I sent you is is actually a Filipino rapper, a Filipino-American rapper, I should say, named Ruby Ibarra. And... Mm -hmm. um, I was actually introduced to her music through another crime writer, uh, Ed Amar, and this is the only oh, time Ed. I will ever. <laughs> this is the only time I will thank Ed publicly. But I love her music so much, and so, everybody so much wants of her music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so much of her music is not just about Filipino and Filipino American mm-hmm. and immigrant identity, but it's also about fighting colonial patriarchy, which is a Mm -hmm. very specific brand um, that 
you know, just mm-hmm. listening to her music causes me to reflect and think on all the things that are kind of embedded bias that I have because, yes. uh, you know, again, like and colonialism, patriarchy, those two things together really, really mess you up. constructs that don't really make sense outside of that, you know, what you've been told is right. Yeah, it's very yeah. strange. Now, mm-hmm. um, last on our last note, uh, why don't you tell me? I expect uh, Lori Raider Day to be coming up any moment now. Um, so, yeah. what are some women writers we should uh, go out and get a hold of and start reading? <laughs> so, yeah, Lori Raider Day was already mentioned, and so was Katrina McPherson. Um, yes, of, yes. <laughs> uh, of course, Kelly Garrett, uh, her Detective by Day series, they were a revelation for me, and the yes. audiobooks just recently came out, so there's a new way for you to enjoy them. Um, Sujata Masi, her uh, historical series set in 1920s India has been like sweeping the awards and Mm. I haven't been able to read for weeks because all of this trash fire around us has made it really hard for Uh me to concentrate but her book was the first book I've been able to read I read it yesterday, two days ago and I devoured it I finished the first of the, The Widows of Malabar Hill I finished it in one day, and I loved it. And I already bought That's the second one. Yeah, exactly. So she's wonderful. Um, Naomi Hirahara, uh, Gigi Pandian, again, one of the co-founders of Crime Writers of Color. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy Clark, she writes a Black P.I. set in Chicago. Alexia Gordon, another Chicagoland writer. She writes a Black uh, music, uh, like musician, musical teacher who is, in Ireland, and she can see ghosts. So it's a paranormal cozy Ooh. series. That's actually a lot of fun. Oh, that uh, sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. Steph Cha, killing it. Uh, Your House Will Pay. Such a tough read, but so good. Mm-hmm. Um, on a slightly different note, uh, Sarah Kuhn, because uh, we're talking comics, she mostly yes. writes YA. She has a series called The Heroin Complex. She just recently released the Cassandra Kane version of Batgirl. So if you're interested in picking up a new version of Batgirl, she's excellent. Uh, Cheryl Head, she writes Mm -hmm. a black lesbian PI series. That's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Amina Akhtar's, uh, I think so far she only has one novel, but her debut hashtag fashion victim. Uh, (laughs) It was pitched pitched as the devil wears Prada meets American Psycho. And I was so here for that. (laughs) Oh, my. I think I need that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you're first reading it, you're like, what is going on? Because you're just in the head of this character. But it's like it's so much fun. And this girl is so messed up. And she's, you know, and you you just don't want her to get caught. But you're like, no, sweetie, why are you doing this? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And a couple more. It's Pam. Oh, hi, hi, how are you? Hi, Mia. <laughs> I'm I'm so fascinated by everything you've said. And by the way, living in, in Miami taught me to speak a little bit of Tagalog. So, hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, I will say Alexio Gordon is a host in this same network. And yes. um, thank you so <laughs> much for talking about all these wonderful writers who really don't get enough credit. They really mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. And I thank you so much for being on the show. Marietta, you chose so Excuse wisely, me. my darling. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And I'm lucky. off. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
Yeah. Um, okay. I have a very long list. I'm sorry. I'm almost done. There's just a couple oh, okay. more um, no, that I, I want to shout out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also want to talk about Lane Fargo. Uh, her debut temper came out last year. It's a very sexy, like suspense Ooh. thriller set in the Chicago theater scene. Um, and for something completely different, um, I'm going to recommend two YA fantasy authors who I really love. One is Rena Barron. Uh, her mm-hmm. debut, Kingdom of Souls, is a West African-inspired fantasy. Ooh. And Rosaria Munda, her debut, Fireborn, came out last mm-hmm. year. And she was basically like, if you took Plato's Republic and then combined, and then added dragons, I can't, oh, I can't remember how she pitched it, but I was wow. fascinated. Yeah, it was okay. – it worked out in her head. It was, an, it was a fascinating read. I, I kind of devoured that one. That sounds awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, but that's so my very long list. Yeah, thank you for no, inviting me. This was so much fun. <laughs> I know. It is a good time, and that was a great list. I love it. And I have a list of uh, people I want to go read now, so that's exactly what you were supposed to do. <laughs> All right. So well, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. All right. Thank you. Bye. Now next Great. up is Miss Dharma Kelleher. Uh, Dharma is a very well-respected author who writes gritty crime fiction with a feminist kick, and she is one of the only openly transgender voices in this genre. She is the author of the Jinx Balu Bounty Hunter series and the Shea Stevens Outlaw Biker series. Her work has also appeared in anthologies and on Shotgun Honey. Once again, we're doing a shout-out to Shotgun. Uh, See, go check out Shotgun. So like many of us on our show tonight, Dharma is a member of Sisters in Crime, International Thriller Writers, and the Alliance of Independent Authors. Uh, She lives in Arizona with her wife and her feline overlords. I think we all understand that. Um, If you want to learn more about Ms. Dharma, please go to Dharma Kelleher. And um, she did a really nice personal essay on the woman who inspired her. Her essay is on Kay Grosso. So, Ms. Dharma, why don't you tell us a little bit about Kay? I met Kay uh, a little over 20 years ago, and um, I was newly sober. Um, I survived a a suicide attempt, especially dealing with uh, trauma. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, some friends of mine uh, uh, introduced me to Kay, and she was, at the time, she was running a uh, group of, a very informal group of women uh, that met on a weekly basis and called themselves the Garden Club. And Mm -hmm. they weren't growing flowers or plants or herbs or anything like that. Um, It was simply a group of women that got together each week and shared, and they were growing themselves. And Mm -hmm. I was so lucky to be included in that group of women and because they came from all different backgrounds, all different uh, racial backgrounds, ages. Uh, some of us were recovering from addiction. Some of us weren't addicted at all. And mm-hmm. it was a safe place for us to share the things that were going on in our lives um, uh, and to be real, to be honest, and know that we weren't going to get criticized for whatever we shared. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just such a powerful group of women um and and Kay was kind of like our mother um, oh, uh, mm-hmm. and you know I, I i called the essay uh, a mother to the unmothered because yeah um 
in in many ways, um, as much as my own uh, mother tried the best that she could, there was a lot of unhealthiness in our relationship. And yeah. um, uh, Kay really filled that void for me in so many ways. And one of the ways that she helped me was she introduced me to some writers such as Clarissa Pincola Estes, who wrote uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves, and yes. uh, Julie, yeah, which is an amazing, if you haven't already read it, I highly recommend it because um, she kind of explores um, ancient stories, um, mm-hmm. um, everything from uh, the origins of um, uh, Cinderella or Little Red Riding Hood and goes back to some of these origins, uh, the, the way the, these stories uh, were used as teaching stories, and um, and we would every week uh, uh, almost we would uh, sit down and read uh, one of these stories or uh, the analysis that uh, Ms. Estes uh, would provide, and um, it really really taught me about the transformative power of creativity, of mm-hmm. story, and of archetypes. You know, we're from a lot of us are familiar with um, uh, you know the um, uh, the hero's journey and the archetypes of the yeah. hero's journey. And mm-hmm. uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes explores a lot of other archetypes uh, that were an essential part of story and about the way women teach each other. And she, uh, Kay uh, really taught me how to use creativity to work through trauma. And because mm-hmm. I was dealing with a lot of trauma um, and mm-hmm. uh, she taught me, one of the things that she taught me was anger is energy and, mm-hmm. and depression is energy, believe it or not. And all of these things are about energy and the same energy can get rechanneled in new and more creative and more productive ways. Mm-hmm. And in the years that I spent uh, in her living room, sharing with other women and listening to other women and and sharing our stories, um, this is these are the things that really uh, slowly saturated into my psyche and helped me to make sense of the things that I'd been through, the the, the traumas that I'd suffered, and learn how to use that energy in a more healthy, productive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of her catchphrases I still use to this day, which is trust the process. And when I first heard it, I was like, what process? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? I kept saying, what does this mean? It's like some Jedi kind of thing. You know, like, I'm like, what, what is the, the force? force? <laughs> and the more I realize it, the more my mind is opened uh, to how big this process is. Because when I, when I find that, that I'm stuck, I'm realizing I'm not trusting the process, that my mind, my vision is so limited into, you know, the immediate crisis, you know, like we're dealing with the coronavirus crisis here. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, okay, just open your mind a little bit and let go and loosen up a little bit and trust the process. I'm like, oh, okay. And the more it's like, okay, I get it now. And it's it's, it's a process that you really have to to bring to each situation. It's like, okay, am I trusting the process? And I learned mm-hmm. how to uh, trust my intuition to navigate through mm-hmm. the difficulties and to use my creativity to to heal the broken parts within me. 
Now, do you um, are do you see yourself as a K to someone else? Do you mentor other people? I try to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've 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 been. Uh, I was a part of the Big Sis- Rib Brothers Big Sisters for a while, mm-hmm. um, and so I had I was the big, and I had a little that I was a mentor to, <laughs> and you know um, I've. I've put it out and I haven't had anyone take it up, take me up on it, but uh, I would really like to mentor another trans person, uh, Mm -hmm. binary or non-binary, doesn't matter, that is interested in uh, being a crime fiction writer because there are just so few of us. There's myself Mm -hmm. and uh, there's, there's just a few of us. Um, Renee James and, um, uh, are, we're we're like kind of the, the two main ones in crime fiction, yep. and uh, yep. we need more. And there needs need to be a voices. safe place to go. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And and I want to be. Uh, I put it. You know, if there's any trans woman out there or trans person rather um, mm-hmm. out there that is uh, interested in uh, getting into crime fiction, get in touch with me, and yep. I'd be happy to provide whatever feedback or or mentoring I can I can do for that. Mm-hmm. DharmaKelleher.com. Go That's visit right. her. Yep. Uh, now, you had mentioned women who run with the wolves. I was also going to yeah. ask you if you had any other recommendations for um, for our for our listeners to read. Um, yeah, I mean Julia Cameron's uh, uh, the the artist way is mm-hmm. is great. Um, and um, some other um, last year I read uh, Remember by. Patricia Cheney Smith, and mm-hmm. uh, fans of Gone Girl or Girl on the Train will really love this story. Uh, it really spoke to me um, because it deals in part with uh, the uh, trauma and the way that we uh, deal with trauma in creative mm-hmm. ways and sometimes yeah. not healthy ways. And yeah. uh, Patricia's story just really touched my heart. Is really gripping uh, suspense thriller. Absolutely gripping. I mean, from the first from the first scene, you're like, oh my gosh, what's what's going on here? <laughs> and and so I I highly recommend uh, that one. And of course, mm-hmm. I just recently read uh, Seven Crows by Kate Kessler, and mm-hmm. I think uh, she and I are sisters from a, another Mister because. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the seven crows, seven crows deals uh, with a, a woman. She's an ex-con uh, uh, connected to outlaw biker gangs, and it's like it was uh, very similar in ways to uh, my Shay Stevens series, and, uh-huh. and it was in a great way. It is with it with her own take on it. So uh, mm-hmm. we were both influenced by the Sons of Anarchy series, and we both wanted to have uh, stories about. Uh, Outlaw bikers, but from a female uh, perspective. So, um, very I re- re- <laughs> yes, definitely. Not just the old ladies, not just the girlfriends, yep. but something uh, where the women are in positions of uh, of power and of authority. So, yes, I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> um, uh, I, I grew up reading uh, Sarah Peretsky's V.I. Warshawski series, and oh, what yeah. I love about Sarah is, I mean, she's the uh, one uh, that uh, created uh, Sisters in Crime, of course. And, um, uh, you know, she did it because, as I understand, 
you know, editors were saying, well, this is nice, but because you're a woman, you should be writing cozy or something. Leave, leave the hardcore stuff to the men, you know? And she's like, no, <laughs> screw that. I'm, I'm going to write what I want to write. So she writes her very Warshawski series, and I love it. I love it. Yep. So I, I like women who set their own rules. So exactly. Those are my recommendations. There are no rules. Hi, Marietta. Hi, Dharma. Hi. It's Pam. Hi. Dharma, I have to tell you that you gave me an education when we spoke on the radio before that yeah. I really, really needed, and it was Aww. so authentic and so real. I admire oh, you, you so much. Aww. Thank, thank you for you. being. Yeah. No, don't. But you know no. what? Thank you for being out there, being proud, and I'm honored to be your friend. Oh, yes. thank you. I'm honored to have you yes. as my friend as well. Thank you. And you so know what, much. girlfriend? Talk about your podcast just for a minute. Yes. <laughs> Mar- Dharma, talk about your podcast. Your podcast. Well, my my podcast. I went two episodes and then it pod faded, unfortunately, just because it's it is such a time intensive uh, oh. uh, thing. So okay, so here's the thing: you're hearing it on live radio. I'm talking to you soon. I'm calling you, and you and I are going to talk about it. We're broadcasting <laughs> to 40 countries and three million unique listeners on 70 podcast sites. I love you, Dharma. You are my heart and too, my Pam. soul. Thank you oh, so much. Wow. Marietta, it's all yours, baby. Bye. Oh, thank you, Miss Pam. Thank you. We have two more guests with us tonight. Um, my next guest is Sarah, Sarah M. Chin. Sarah is one of the busiest women in crime fiction. She has worked a variety of jobs from script reader to private investigator assistant. She's published numerous short stories and a children's book, which is quite lovely too. Uh, Her noir novella, Cleaning Up Finn, with all due respect, books was an Anthony uh, finalist. She and Ed Amar are the co-editors of The Night of the Flood, a novel and stories. And now we have The Swamp Killers following that up. Um, she's written for the Los Angeles Review of Books, The Ascent, The Startup, and P.S. I Love You, among others. She blogs over at The Thrill Begins as a member of Murderer's Row, as well as her own health, wellness, and travel site, SoCal Sarah Writes. Now, um, that has something to do with the three ladies that you chose as inspirations, actually. Um, I let Sarah cheat. <laughs> Marietta, I have to ladies. jump in here because Sarah, yes, Sarah knows what I did today. Uh-oh. We cannot give Ed I'm any credit, <laughs> can we, Sarah? <laughs> okay, what he was, out of there then? I love that. That's hilarious. You, you know, we were laughing about that today, weren't we? If if Ed hears us talking about him, his head will swell like four or five more times. <laughs> He'll tell you all his sad stories about his Achilles injury. Uh, and you know what? And, it's, mm-hmm. Right, Sarah? I mean, you know, well, you've I've been here, girl. Yeah, I mean, oh. he's been mentioned a couple times um, from – somebody mentioned his name just well, now. Got, yeah, um, yeah, he got several mentions. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so he's – I bet his ears are burning. <laughs> Pretend like we don't even know him because this is hello all about women, right? (laughs) 
Well, yeah, that is who cares true. about Ed? <laughs> well, we're we're not going to talk about Ed though. <laughs> Although I did ask him to do a beauty blog, but he has oh, yet to God. do it. So we're we'll, we'll oh, geez. <laughs> Sarah, oh, yeah, he can do a very nice the... smoky eye. Welcome to Office on the Air. Let Meredith take care of you. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Pam. So, actually, let's make sure that we give an extra special big thank you to uh, Sarah because she actually works very closely with Ed, and she gets a big hand for doing that. Yay. Uh, um, (laughs) For putting up with Ed. (laughs) I know. He's going to hate this. Now, I want to get to your essay because I really loved all three of them. Um, I thought they were perfect, especially time in our in our lives. Um, the first one is all about your mom and how she inspired you to follow your dreams and, and sort of hustle to get what it is you wanted. She seemed like a very hardworking lady. Can you tell me a little bit about your mom? Yeah, I, I didn't want to choose her. I just felt like, oh, that's, you know, so typical choosing her yeah. mom. Um, but... And she really did inspire me when I was younger. Um, not so much, well, I shouldn't say not so much now, but um, when I was younger, <laughs> hopefully she's not listening. Um, she, she just, you know, watching her put herself through school, um, she mm-hmm. went all the way, she w- went to community college and she got her bachelor's degree and then her master's degree. And she was wow. married to my dad, but, she was essentially they were separated um mm-hmm. i mean he was hardly ever around so mm-hmm. she was mostly like a single mom um so she yeah. worked hard raising me and then putting herself through school and then she also had a job and wow. i think it was See, that's amazing <laughs> yeah i i mean and she was a huge um she had really debilitating migraines so oh. I mean, and then I'm getting them. I started getting them when I turned 40, and that's when I kind of understood, like, oh my God, how did she do? How did she do all that with these migraines? Yeah. (laughs) And actually, well, since we're on the subject, it's going to go against a little bit, you know, my severe organization. Uh, (laughs) Oh, go for it. Oh, I know. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The third, um, your third choice is actually someone who's been helping you a lot with your migraines. And I think some folks might really be interested in in, in what you have to say about that because it could help them. So if you don't mind telling them about that. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so the third woman I picked, um, she's somebody that is an inspiration to d- today, to this day. Um, she Her name's Patty Tahara. And mm-hmm. she's the one that um, – she was actually my Reiki teacher. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I was just really just miserable and depressed and anxious and had horrible migraines, and I lost um, several of my jobs. And I was just kind of mm. hit bottom, and then I found this, like, random brochure, you know, sign up for Reiki. And so I, I just decided to do it, and that's how I met her, and she's she's – so calming and just very positive and she's just she's just such this like comfortable uh, or sense of comfort just being around her Mm -hmm. just she just Mm -hmm. makes me feel good she's so she's taught me so much about meditation and being mindful 
and she's recommended so many books. I mean, she's kind of just helped me just get back to just enjoying just simple things. I mean, ever since I took her class, ever since I've met her, mm-hmm. um, I started cooking. I started just being mm-hmm. outdoors more and just going to yeah. – I just redid my whole backyard and just, just sort of being Getting yourself good more, things. Yeah, just kind of being more um, – just more self-care. Yeah, and that's important and, because I would imagine that that's something that you didn't do for a very long time. Yeah, I've never. You I don't know, think ladies never do it a lot, about, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just never thought of self care as something that was that important, but it, it is. I mean, it's so important it to. I just never even thought of the mind body having a connection, and I. Oh, and oh I my know gosh, and everybody. It's so important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just people tell you that all the time, like you know, your mind and body is connected, and I heard that, but I just didn't really get it. Until I took her class, and then and she really helped I really with that. understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then my I migraines get a, I get weren't kick, as bad. I get a kick out of your um, your second choice. I don't know why I get such a giggle out of it. I think I get a giggle <laughs> out of it because you were surprised by your choice. <laughs> you said that yeah. Margaret Cho came up in your mind, and you couldn't believe it, and you were surprised that. So a Tell us why Margaret Cho, and B, tell me why you're surprised. <laughs> I, um, Zoe, sorry. My dog is, like, licking my feet like crazy. And it's just, Ooh, okay. Zoe. Um, <laughs> stop it. Don't um, uh, So, yeah, Margaret Cho, it's funny because I've never watched her like I've never watched her specials I've never really watched her on TV I never even thought of her as being that funny um Mm -hmm. but she I just remember when I kind of was first aware of her it was like in the 90s and I was in college and still trying to like figure out my place in life and just still trying to be like such I was such a people pleaser and I still am I'm trying to break out of that yeah, but she, do it. She, yeah, I know, and it's it's such a hard habit to break. But yeah, but seeing her and just she just was so fearless, and I've never I've never seen any Asian American be that crude and that raw and that funny and honest mm-hmm. and 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 real, just, yeah, very real, yeah, and just so unafraid to you know, be just all out there, just, you know, um, just kind of a mess, and then do you like, think just that make you no would apologies. Ever recognize, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but I was wondering, do you think that you'd ever recognized um, that you needed uh, Margaret Cho? Did you, do you think that you had ever considered that that was something you might need someone to look up to like that? Um, yeah, and not really. I mean... I, I mean, as an Asian American, because I don't know if there are many folks out there for young Asian Americans to look up to. You know, they don't seem yeah, to back, be. Yeah, go ahead. back then, <laughs> there weren't that many. No, I mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think I know what you're asking. Um, like, mm-hmm. back then, I didn't have any role models, really. I mean, there are very few as far as Asian Americans in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And yep. they all had, you know, I can't even think of any. I mean... Yeah. 
it's it yeah. was yeah it was it wasn't um they would have Pretty minor slim. secondary <laughs> roles yeah mm-hmm. and even with writing like you know i thought of amy tan and the book the joy luck club and the movie mm-hmm. you know had all um asian cast asian director and that was a big deal and i actually really loved the book um mm-hmm. i know she was criticized for um having some Asian stereotypes in her book, but she said, you know, she just wrote her experience and that was her truth. Um, yeah. So I've always, I've always liked her. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there weren't that many Asian American role models at yeah. all. And I feel and like unfortunately, now the, there are. Yeah. And unfortunately for some reason <clears throat> we have such ridiculous stereotypes here <laughs> in our country that I was just so excited to see that you had Margaret Cho there because she was just such a normal human being. And I was like, I would have totally chosen her. <laughs> so, and, and that actually brings me to another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, we spoke with Mia earlier, but you also are very involved with crime writers of color. Um, tell me what you do with them and, and what they did for you. So I I'm uh, I run their Twitter account with Nikki Dolson. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki, that's so, the seventeenth time we've talked about Nikki. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nikki's awesome. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm so glad that she uh, is helping or is I guess it takes it takes two people to do the Twitter account apparently. Yes, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> so it's. Um, yeah, it's been it's a great organization to it just it's you know they're supporting um all like uh, there's the members are published award-winning writers like you know Kelly Garrett mm-hmm. and Gigi and and yep. um um Sujata she just won a lefty and then there's writers you know who just are starting out and it's yeah it's just a very supportive environment and we you know maybe looking for a mentor Mm -hmm. yeah it's a way to ask questions about publishing or um we have different subgroups like during NaNoWriMo we'll cheer each Mm -hmm. other on um so it's just nice to have yeah it's yeah we'll have like a a NaNoWriMo group we had the camp NaNoWriMo I think it I don't know when that is June or whenever that is, but there was like a separate camp NaNoWriMo group. And like Mia was saying, there's a newsletter now. And I thought there was talk of a podcast, but I could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Maybe we'll I'm just into that and pulling have, that out I'll of my that. ass. Well, there you go. At least it's that. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, and I just love that organization. I know that a lot of my favorite writers are um, a part of that organization, although he's not a, a woman. Don Cosby's a part of that, and I believe Ed yeah. Amar. Uh, they're not ladies, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, we'll talk about them. <laughs> now, well, but since we, I have you on the, uh, on the line, why don't, I want you to tell us some authors you would like us to read. So one of my favorite writers is Kelly Loy Gilbert, and she's a mm-hmm. YA author. Um, I love she's, YA. Yeah, I I love <laughs> YA too. I do. I really do. I, it's something I would really love to actually write. <laughs> Me too. I've 
always wanted to, and I my book that I've been working on forever is sort of a YA, but then now mm-hmm. it's kind of more, um, you know, a 19-year-old character, so that's not quite YA. Um, it's, uh, but it seems... Um, uh, we could come up with a brand-new category if you want. <laughs> I mean, there's new adults, but new adult mm-hmm. to me is more, it's, yeah, it's not quite new adult, because new adult mm-hmm. I think of almost as like, um, I don't know, not erotica, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like erotica. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> I was like, well, what are new adults doing? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, that was... I haven't heard about new adult that much. It was sort of a big thing a few year, couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, I don't oh, know. I um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, I've got the giggles now, but... Um, you were telling us about the authors you were you thought we should list, we should go read. So yeah, Kelly Lloyd Gilbert. She wrote Conviction. Mm-hmm. That was her debut mm-hmm. novel. Um, I was a bookseller. Um, I was part of this Indies Introduces committee, which is like I think it was mm-hmm. a dozen booksellers that we all read like I don't know, we read like fifty or sixty debut manuscripts, and we narrowed it wow. down to our top ten. And they yeah, it was a quite an experience. It was amazing. Wow. And so we picked these 10 books, these 10 YA books, Indies Introduces, and one of them was Conviction by Kelly Lloyd Gilbert. And she's half Chinese and half white like me. Um, mm-hmm. but that's not the only reason why I like her, but she's just no, but an I'm amazing so writer. Yeah. So she wrote this book about this kid whose dad is a very conservative, religious radio talk show host. And he ends Sorry. up getting charged. Yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> uh, he gets charged um, for murdering a cop. And mm. it's kind of a very heavy, intense book. Um, wow. <laughs> when I'm describing, I'm like, you know what, it's pretty, but it's it's really good. This kid, though, he's um, really into baseball. And even though I, I don't, I'm not a big baseball person, um, the, it's, you don't have to enjoy baseball to enjoy the book. It's kind of a metaphor right. throughout the whole book, though. And this kid, he ends up, his dad, since he's being charged with murder, his older brother comes back from um, wherever he was and has to sort of take care of this kid, um, Brayden. And it's just, and it's a lot about um, faith and family and identity. And it's just a really, it was just a really powerful book. And then her second book, um, Picture Us in the Light, is about this kid who's struggling with his sexual identity. He's mm-hmm. an artist. And he and it's more, I think, more personal to her because she grew up in Cupertino and the book is set in Cupertino. Oh, okay. And it's, um, yeah, it's, and he, his, his parents are Chinese immigrants and they mm-hmm. are harboring this very, very, um, dark secret that he discovers later in the book, and it's it's also another really tear jerking book. <laughs> oh yay! So. Wait, more. <laughs> no, that sounds great. I'm really glad you're sharing these because I think everybody needs to to read more, diversify their reading. So I'm I'm just glad you're doing this, and I'm glad you were here with us tonight. Um, well, and I'm so I glad you invited here. me. Yes, oh, thank, thank you. you. You're always so excited, lady. Thank you always for <laughs> coming on the show. I always learn something new from you. 
And I love talking to you, and I love busting Ed's chops. I sent him a, a Facebook little message saying, no, 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 no. You know, one of those. Yeah. They're talking about you. <laughs> oh, goodness. A lot. Sarah Ken, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Pam. I'll talk this to you soon, fun. baby girl. Okay. Definitely. If you don't mind, mm-hmm. your last guest and Abel, mm-hmm. I want to introduce. Okay. Yes, please do. Please do. Okay. He's remarkable. So, oh, so Abel, <laughs> a.k.a. Allison Davis, is a fabulous, wonderful supporter of all things books, writing, and literary I have to tell you that Anne is one of my sheroes. Um, a couple of years ago, when I got blitzed out by Hurricane Irma, Anne came to my rescue. But besides that, she supports every writer she knows, both in California, both in Louisiana, and across the board, Anne supports everyone if we could all be friends with miss allison davis our life would be so much more enriched oh. allison you are one of my sheroes darling oh, and i thank love you, you so for much how sweet you are and here's to tell you i moved i moved after hurricane irma and Miss Allison sent me a case of wine, my favorite kind, by the way. Mm. And I thought, who would do that for me? Who would do that? <laughs> I am so honored mm. to welcome my friend Allison Davis, also known as Ann Abel on Facebook, to Authors on the Air Yay. for the first time. Thank you, Aunt Allison. I love you. Oh, you're so sweet, Pam. Thank you very much. I I'm love you, my friend. Me on your show. Thank you. Finally, Thank you. how long have I been yeah. talking about it? Uh, Marietta, take it away, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you of so course. much. Now, for those of you who are not aware, Miss <clears throat> Miss Davis, Miss Allison Davis, uh, mm-hmm. slash Miss Anne Abel, she is a writer of poetry and short stories. She's had work published in Dark Yonder and Shattering Glass. And she's currently shopping her novel, but not for me, um, to many publishers. She's got a background in journalism and art criticism. Her day job is a senior partner at Davis Wright Tremaine, a national law firm. And um, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here, Ms. Allison. Thanks so much. This is really fun. I've, I, I feel I've learned more than I could ever contribute um, with oh. this wonderful uh, uh, group of women. It's been really great. I'm taking a lot of notes, so thank you, Good. Everyone. These are some of I, I got really, I'm so happy that these folks are consider. you know, are on friends with me on Facebook mm. because I'm so impressed by all of them. Um, and I wanted to share, I'm just going to actually say a few words, and then I'm sort of hoping you're just going to chat because I was really... Right. Uh, fascinated by your background, and um, I think everybody else will be too, will be as well. You picked as one of your most inspiring women Heather Foley, 
And Heather Foley is the wife of Senator Foley, and she was your teacher, is what you said? Congressman, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, Congressman Foley, that Mm -hmm. she was your teacher, and uh, one of the most surreal sentences I've ever seen in my life, and Bella Abzug was right next door, is what you said. I did. um, On that note, I would just like to know how you got into politics and into law, how you got to learn from Heather Foley, and then mm-hmm. I want to know who you see is coming up and who's doing some work that you're really excited about. Um, okay, well, thank you. Uh, these are stories from my childhood, and I, I, when I, you gave us this assignment, I had a hard time just picking one woman, and I thought about it was right as Elizabeth Warren is being ignored by everyone, um, the yep. press and, and everybody else. And I thought, you know, we have such strong women leaders with, you know, what makes us good women leaders and what could be better and, you know, what, what is this stuff all about? And so I said, well, what, how did I get to where I was? And one of the women that influenced me was Heather Foley. And, and Heather, I met her when I was 16 and I was an intern for Congressman Foley up on Capitol Hill. And this was wow. in, I'm, I'm going to date myself, but it was in the very <laughs> early 70s. Um, and, and I wanted a summer job. And what had happened is I got a job at a dress shop. And within like three hours, the owner, you know, started hitting on me. I was 16. Yeah. My father <laughs> pulled me out of that job and said, you're going to go work on Capitol Hill with Tom Foley. I'm like, okay. Um, and uh, you know, I was a kid. Why didn't you 16. say that in the I first was, place? I know, right? <laughs> uh, gawky. And Heather took me in and said, you know, no, we don't dress like that. This isn't how you hear. Here's how to answer a telephone. And she sat with me as an intern, but taught me some basic skills of just how to be in a place like that and be useful. And I, I just, I can't. Every day I think about something I do, and it's something that I learned, just those basic skills. It's that woman that teaches you, you know, how to be savvy so you don't embarrass yourself in front of people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she just did that for the whole summer with me. And then I worked another summer there. So by the second summer, I'm writing letters, and she's critiquing them, business letters, you know, and writing uh things for the congressman to look at and, you know, analyses of bills and things like this that I never would have had the opportunity to do in any other, you know, place. So she was a a big influence on me, um, very young. And Mm -hmm. law and politics, you know, it's a circuitous route. Um, I worked on campaigns, local campaigns. I always had an interest in it. and then when I got into, by the time I, I, I was in high school doing this work for Foley, and by the time I was a senior, that's the year that the vote turned 18, and we were also doing a lot of protesting against the Vietnam War. So we mm-hmm. were activists, and we wanted to do something. Um, and that's the story I tell about Shirley Chisholm. So, you yep. know, these, these, these were those times, but they make a big mark on you, and I think that as women and the stories that we've been listening to tonight um, about women helping each other and women influencing each other and who held you up and who made you strong and how did you get through this. So that's what these, these folks are. That's pretty, 
I, I thought everybody would get a real kick out of the, out of your beginning, and I'm really it's <laughs> it's so it's so nice to know that there were women. You know, from the very beginning, who were who were trying to work so hard for us, and that they taught the next generation of women. And, and who do you see right now? Who's out there right now? Who are who's filling those spots? Who is who is taking up the arms for for well, Bella Abzug? You know, we're seeing Bella. Let me just say, Bella's office was right next to Tom Foley's, and you heard her <laughs> when she was coming down the hall from the floor. And and what, what we all love, the women interns loved about her, is that she just didn't take anything from anybody. You know, she was her, and that was it. And it taught you a lot about it's okay to be, to stand out. It's okay mm-hmm. to be strong. It's okay to be loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that was 1971. She was amazing. And it was okay to wear yep. hats. Um, so well, today, we're seeing women heroes today. Um, and very recent ones that I think are helping us show us what women can do and how they can lead. But there's two kinds. I mean, there's the, there's the Marie um, Yovanovitch and Valerie Plame and Sally Yates and, you know, and then for God's sakes, Pelosi, right? Um, The kind of women that we're seeing that are standing up and doing the right thing and being strong. But we're Mm -hmm. also seeing a whole plethora of, women CEOs, Mary Lynn Henson at Lockheed and um, uh, the CEO of of, uh, Ursula Burris at Xerox, you know, Meg Mm -hmm. Whitman, um, Indra Noye at PepsiCo, and and then... I believe um, the YouTube's president, isn't she, is, I believe, YouTube's president is a woman. And my favorite is Mary, Mary Braun, the CEO of GM, where they tried to hand her a pile of stinking poop, and she turned it into a good company. Um, I really like her. So, you know, those are the kinds of women that I'm looking at and pointing at, and I know that all of them, and, you know, I have a very good friend who was high up in GE and then US Airways, and I know that she's you know, the women she mentored. And as a partner in a law firm, we're seeing our clients demand diversity on their legal teams. And for those firms that never made it a priority, they're forced to now. And so you, that's what you see is in-house people, you know, pushing that. So all of those forces are, are really good, strong forces, but why the heck can't we elect a woman president? But that, I did not. You know, um, <laughs> right? I know we're all asking that. I think. Mm. <laughs> and when mm. are we? When are we finally going to get that done? Because we're a little tired. Um, why don't you? I also want to find out some of your favorite female authors, though. I have some. I bounce around. I have all of the. I mean, besides the present company, and um, many of the other authors that we love. Um, including Lori Raiderday, I'll say her name again, that's fun, and Nikki Dolphin, of course. Um, I, I lean towards police procedurals. Um, lean, I actually fall face forward into police procedurals. So, you, you, love you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for them. So, um, <laughs> you know, Carol O'Connell is one of my favorites that writes. Um, and Paretsky, I like, you know, I've read all of her books. Um, but I also like, you know, women like Deborah Harkness, 
who mm-hmm. wrote a trilogy that I said, oh, I'm not going to read any vampire books. Oh, my God, did I devour those. Um, <laughs> Annie Prolu, I love her. But I also read women like if you all haven't read Isabel Wilkerson's Warmth of Other Sons, I highly mm-hmm. commend you to that book. So I read some nonfiction as well because it informs, of course, what I write about. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's one of my very favorite authors. Uh, and she won a Pulitzer for um, Warmth of Other Sons. And then there's right. women that people haven't heard of, like Carrie Holm, H-U-L-M-E, who's Maori and writes um, mm-hmm. some interesting um, novels. So, Ladies, can I please interrupt? We've already yes, been on the air for almost two hours. Two, year, two <laughs> hours. And I want to say, first of all, Marietta, thank you so so much for the most mm. interesting, amazing show I've had in a long time. Thank you, Yay. darling. Thank you. My friend, Allison, you know you have a special place in my heart. You know you do. Oh, thank you. For um, so those sweet. who don't know, Allison Davis, a.k.a. and Abel, has supported the writing community and individuals for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to give you some of my recommendations. If you love poetry, my sweet dear friend Irene O'Garden is magnificent. Mm. I also want you to remember that Michelle Obama is mm-hmm. such an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I am very blessed to know all of you. I I think that how lucky am I that I don't own a television, but I know so many brilliant women. I want Yay. to thank you so, so much. Marietta, tell yes, me who your Shiro is today. Mine? My mother. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mine, too. Yeah. And <laughs> Allison, give me a Shiro. I Allison. think it would have to be my my grandmother who was the uh, ran a uh, trading post in Fort Yukon. Oh my! You know, <laughs> I never I never knew either of my grand grandmothers or grandfathers, mm. and I'm jealous. But I'm also blessed to know both of you, Marianna Miles. Thank you so much for creating this amazing show tonight. Oh, you are just the best. And, a.k.a. Allison, I love you. Bye, <laughs> Pam. All right, right wash your hands, be safe, have fun. I love you all. And thank you for listening, everyone. And thank, thank you, for you everything, Mom and Dad. Guys. I'll talk to you Thanks soon. Bye-bye. Bye.